morning, Redcliffe, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we are coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jonna, before we get into NRL Round 1, uh, there was plenty of other sporting uh, headlines around the world, and we'll start with football. Week 26 of the English Premier League saw some sensational results as Arsenal stayed five points ahead at the top after a dramatic 3-2 win over Bournemouth where Arsenal came back from 2-0 down and won it in the 97th minute after a sensational Reese Nelson strike. While Manchester City stayed in second after a 2-0 win over Newcastle United, while Liverpool inflicted Manchester United's worst loss in 92 years with a 7-0 win at Anfield, while at the bottom, Southampton defeated Leicester City 1-0. Chelsea finally got a goal and a win, defeating Leeds 1-0. And Brighton brushed aside West Ham 4-0. But Jono... All the headlines coming out of uh, Anfield after that sensational result. Yeah, I mean, this one has to sting. It's it's something that nobody would have seen. Um, there's no way that in current form of what Liverpool is, you would have thought, oh, they're going to be able to take on United in this way and in this fashion as well. Of course, as well, when you look at it from a United standpoint, you guys have been playing fantastic as of recent as well. Um, so it's just really quite crazy to think that they were able to produce such a result. I guess credit to Liverpool does show they still have that quality all over the pitch, even though they have had their ups and downs this year. But really, this is going to sting, and this also does as well position Liverpool quite good for the rest of the Premier League. Then on the flip side as well, fantastic to see Chelsea finally get a win. Um, is it going to be good enough to really get them out of any sort of middle-of-the-table danger? Probably not, but at least they were able to get a win. Um, but then on the flip side, Leeds unfortunately stumbling once again in that relegation battle. Mohamed Salah also became Liverpool's all-time Premier League leading goalscorer after scoring twice in that 7-0 demolition of United. In Italy, uh, league leaders Napoli suffered only their second loss of the league season and first at home as Lazio defeated them 1-0, while Fiorentina beat AC Milan 2-1, and Inter Milan defeated Lecce 2-0, while AS Roma beat Juventus 1-0. In Spain, Atletico Madrid destroyed Sevilla 6-1 in in managers Diego Simeone's 613th match in charge, making him the longest-serving manager at Atletico in its history, while Barcelona edged Valencia 1-0 and Real Madrid drew 0-0 with Real Betis. Germany was headlined by the top-of-the-table clash between Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig, and it was Dortmund who edged it 2-1 while Bayern Munich stayed top on goal difference over Dortmund as they defeated VFB Stuttgart 2-1. In France, Kylian Mbappe became PSG's all-time top goal scorer after scoring in PSG's 4-2 win over Nantes. It was Mbappe's 201st strike. While in Scotland, Rangers remained second after defeating Kilmarnock 3-1, while Celtic remained top defeating St Mirren 5-1. Jono, Champions League round of 16 second legs this week. Benfica taking on Club Bruges. Chelsea taking on Borussia Dortmund. Bayern Munich versus PSG. While it's Tottenham Hotspur taking on AC Milan. Uh, All those games, probably besides the Benfica Club Bruges game, on a knife's edge and and could go either way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, the headline game, of course, is going to be, again, that Bayern Munich PSG game, which is anybody's for the taking. 
Um, will we see some brilliance happen? I'm not sure. It looks like Neymar as well most likely will be sidelined potentially too. Um, and then you look at that Tottenham-Milan game. I think that's just going to be a fantastic matchup. Who knows what type of Tottenham we're going to get um, and if AC are going to be able to pull through. And then, of course, Chelsea. We see them get a win in the Premier League. Are they going to be able to also get a win in Champions League? I mean, you spend all this money and you... You really want to win all as many trophies as possible, so um, they're definitely going to be a game to, to keep an eye on. I don't know if they have it in the tank necessarily, but we'll see what happens uh, this week. Also, some big games in the round of 16. First leg, Europa League. Manchester United taking on Real Betis. Sporting Lisbon versus Arsenal. AS Roma take on Real Sociedad. While, Jono, your Juventus take on Freiburg. In the Women's Barclays Super League in England, match week 14, Manchester United defeated Leicester City 5-1, while Manchester City defeated Tottenham 3-1, meaning Manchester United sit top, followed by Manchester City. Chelsea and Arsenal, though, who sit third and fourth, do have two games in hand over the top two. Uh, it was also the Women's Continental League Cup final over the weekend, and Arsenal defeated Chelsea 3-1. It was Arsenal's first trophy in four years and also featured Australians Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford, while Sam Kerr led the Chelsea attack there uh, over the weekend. A-League here in Australia, match week 19. Adelaide United defeated Melbourne City 4-2. Wellington Phoenix defeated Newcastle Jets 2-1. Western Sydney Wanderers defeated Central Coast 2-0. Western United defeated, defeated Perth 2-1. Sydney FC defeated Melbourne Victory 1-0 in the Big Blue, while MacArthur defeated Brisbane Raw 3-2, meaning Melbourne City stayed top, followed by Western Sydney and Adelaide United, while Sydney FC round out the top six. Women's A-League match week 16. Melbourne City defeated Newcastle 4-0. Canberra defeated Adelaide 4-2. Wellington and Brisbane drew 1-1. While Sydney FC defeated Western United 3-0. Meaning Western United stay top. Followed by Sydney FC and Melbourne City. Jono Rugby League. The NRL round 1 also kicked off over the weekend. Obviously a big build up to the new season. And also included the first game for new club Redcliffe. Dolphins. Uh, we'll go into a little bit more detail, I guess, some of the big headlines that came out of Round 1 a little bit later in the show. Rugby Union was the Super Rugby Pacific Round 2, and it was Super Round. Uh, all games being played at Amy Park in Melbourne, and the Crusaders defeated the Highlanders 52-15. The Hurricanes defeated the Melbourne Rebels 39-33. The Chiefs defeated Moana Pacifica 52-29. The New South Wales Waratahs had a big win over Fiji and drew up 46-17. The ACT Brumbies edged the Auckland Blues 25-20, while the Queensland Reds battered the Western Force 71-20, meaning the Chiefs sit top, followed by the Hurricanes and Brumbies. Cricket, Australia won the third test in indoor by nine wickets in their series in India after chasing down the 78 needed to win early on the third day. It was a game again dominated by spin as Nathan Lyon took 11 wickets for the match, including eight for 64 in India's second innings. The test series now moves to Ahmedabad for the fourth and final match, which will get underway on Thursday. Obviously, Australia looking to level the series there 2-2. The inaugural Women's Women's Premier League began over the weekend as well in India, with the Mumbai Indians winning the first game of the tournament convincingly over Gurujat Giants by 143 runs. UFC 285 and John Jones confirmed himself as the greatest ever UFC fighter of all time as the 35-year-old returned to the octagon and defeated Cyril Gain in three minutes after Gain tapped out after a, after a Jones chokehold. Jones is now the undisputed heavyweight champion and became only the eighth fighter to, con to conquer two divisions after also being the former light heavyweight champion. So uh, obviously confirming his greatness there, John Jones. 
F1 was back in the Bahrain Grand Prix was the first race and Red Bull driver Max Verstappen won the first race of the new F1 season with Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez finishing second followed by Aston Martin driver Fernando Alonso. Basketball, Jono, and plenty of headlines coming out of the NBA both on and off the court. Philadelphia snapped Milwaukee's winning streak while the Lakers' final chance seemed to be slipping, especially with that LeBron James injury. Or Jay Morant has had to issue apology um, after his social media post uh, was investigated. And Memphis Grizzlies forward Brandon Clark is out indefinitely after tearing a left Achilles tendon. Yeah, a lot happening in the NBA. Um, as, as you said, there's a lot of controversy on and off the court. We have some great matchups as well that's been a, that's happened this week as well, just kind of featuring even the Suns and the Mavericks as well in a tight one, really solidifying their rivalry. As well as uh, you know the the Knicks looking quite well all of a sudden, and even the Nets making some historic comebacks too. But yeah, I think the biggest issue that's happening right now in the NBA has to be around John Morant and just the way that things are kind of popping up um, with his lifestyle choices. Let's say nonetheless, um, it's quite crazy as well. You know, you think about somebody in in his shoes as well that it's just really showing as to what can happen as well when you do get access to such fame and fortune and everything like that and how careful you really need to be in terms of those who you surround yourself. It seems like as of right now, he's really getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. Um, investigations going into him, you know, not only for essentially, you know, pointing a gun at a 17-year-old, but also then later to be found in his Instagram live post with a gun at a nightclub as well. So just really showing that something is going on there. A lot of former players, current players, players from other sports as well, really speaking up against this as well and just saying that, look, we really need to take a moment, really reflect on the actions that we're doing, your role models for the community, and right now you're not showing to be that. Um, so hopefully he is right now suspended from the league for at least two games. Um, but hopefully he um, he really takes a look at himself as well and, and recognizes who he needs to be surrounding himself um, and surrounds himself by positive members for the community, not negative members. But um, that's kind of what's been the biggest things kind of being looked at with the uh, NBA as of right now. The NBL here in Australia will be heading to a, a deciding championship series game as well. It's now tied 1-1. The Sydney Kings leveled the series after an 81-74 victory in Game 2 against the New Zealand Breakers uh, in New Zealand. Uh, so the championship will now be decided in Game 3 in Sydney on Friday night. So it should be a massive crowd out there, Jono. And uh, it's been a thrilling series so far. The home advantage has not seemed to uh, count in this series so far. Yes, I mean, it's been a great few, few first games as well. Attendance has been phenomenal as well. So it's been great to see that. Um, and it truly just shows these are, you know, two of the best teams in the NBL as well and have some players who already we've seen as well get kind of poached from overseas as well in the NBA and everything. So that's, I think, fantastic. It's just showcasing a lot of talent. Um, but I love that it's coming down to a, a do-or-die moment as well here in Sydney as well where the Kings have just had such historic runs, such dominance as well. So will we see New Zealand kind of take the throne? Or are the Kings going to be able to defend it once again? I think it just really sets up for a great story. So all eyes on Friday night. Another great story to come out over the weekend, Jono, was the return of the NRL. Round one, as I said, a much-anticipated build-up uh, to the beginning of the season. And some huge headlines to come out of round one already. Uh, we'll go through briefly some of those big headlines and then obviously look at the round in a little bit more detail. But... Uh, Obviously, the big one, the Redcliffe Dolphins are entering the competition for the first time, and 
upsetting the much-fancied Sydney Roosters at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane on Sunday afternoon. A much-deserved win as well. The game was also honouring the late Arthur Beetson, uh, who, bo- who played for both Redcliffe and East before they became the Sydney Roosters. So a massive win up there for Redcliffe Dolphins. And, and the coach, Wayne Bennett, the 73-year-old, did it again, um, obviously coaching the Redcliffe Dolphins this year. While both grand finalists from last year lost their opening games, we saw Penrith lose to the Brisbane Broncos 13-12, while Parramatta lost to Melbourne Storm in the opening game of the uh, round on Thursday um, in an upset. I'll get a little bit of an upset there, 16-12 in Golden Point. Uh, And Craig Bellamy and Melbourne Storm continue that remarkable record of never losing an opening round uh, one game since Bellamy has been in charge. So an amazing record there by Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm. Uh, We saw the return of Tom Trevojevic from Manly. We obviously know uh, his issues, his injury issues he's had over the last few years, especially with his hamstrings. Sent away to the U.S., uh, to fix his running style and obviously make him uh, a more efficient athlete and, and hopefully that'll uh, mean more game time on the field and he certainly uh, gave that Manly team a hell of a lot of confidence on Saturday afternoon when they trounced the Dogs while South Sydney delivered a warning to the competition with a good win over Cronulla Sharks and the West Tigers we know plenty of uh, new blood going into that club this year some big off-season signings you know, Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall are part of that coaching staff now but unfortunately uh, suffered a defeat to the Titans at Leichhardt Oval on Sunday uh, afternoon Johnny, how good was it to have it back and, and obviously plenty of storylines to come out of uh, round one yeah, I mean, if you look in any direction, there was there was something to talk about. And I think that just makes it all the better. When you have week one, this many already plot lines essentially coming through. A um, bit of upsets here and there. Dominance being asserted, as you said. I think just absolutely makes for fantastic kind of anticipation of what the season's going to be like. But I think... Look, you can't negate the fact of, of the headline of the weekend, and that has to be the Dolphins getting their first win. Not only getting the win, but it's also as to who they won against in terms of battling against the Roosters. In front of 32,000 spectators, I think is absolutely fantastic. I mean, what Wayne Bennett was able to do is just great. And I think credit to him as well. It actually dates back to, it was 35 years ago that he led the Brisbane Broncos to their first win as well in the Premiership appearance too. So it just shows that he has that winning mentality in those first rounds. And I do think as well, you know, I kind of chatted about this, maybe they might not have the longevity of the season, but it's that high of coming into a season, being that underdog, being that fresh fresh blood as well in the NRL. You, you can really play on that. And I think if anything, this just shows that potentially they can make some noise. I still don't see them necessarily going all the way to the top or anything like that. But I think what this showed is, you know, they, they're able to play hard. They're under some great leadership too in terms of the system that they're able to play. But what it shows is that any team going in should not expect just an easy match. Yes, they're in their first year, but they shouldn't expect just to plow through them or anything like that. They should be ready for a hard-fought battle. Um, So I think they really asserted themselves there. But just absolutely fantastic to see that. Again, the atmosphere was incredible, and I think that's great for any new side to be able to produce an atmosphere like that to start off. Absolutely fantastic. Um, because that's what we want to see is you go into these grounds. I want the atmosphere going. I don't want to just see a casual supporter or fan base. I want to see fans who are there who want to see that team victorious. And that's exactly what we saw on the weekend. So I think out of all, that has to be the headline story. And it was fantastic to watch that from the side. Yeah, I think the NRL would have been breathing a huge sigh of relief as well to see the Redcliffe Dolphins 
and the way they competed. Because going into the game, I don't think too many people gave them a chance. Many people have tipped the Sydney Roosters to win the Premiership this year. Um, obviously, some big off-season uh, signings. Uh, Brandon Smith from the Melbourne Storm being the biggest of them, coming in at that uh, number nine position for them. But um, all credit to the Dolphins. The Sydney Roosters were a little bit flat. They weren't. Uh, as slick as we expect them to usually be. But the Dolphins took advantage of that, and they really blew them away in that second half. And I think they showed that they do deserve to be in this competition. And as you said, some of the signings they have made, they haven't made that big marquee signing. Some of the, the players they were after in the offseason didn't come off, including uh, Cameron Munster was one of them. They were really chasing hard. But Kafusi, especially who they signed from Melbourne, a real hard man, and he really, some of his tackles were... Unbelievable the hits he was putting on. So I think they've got the core there of, of discipline and hard men and people that will lead some of those younger players uh, in that team. And obviously in the super coach in Wayne Bennett, you've got a person who's seen it. Uh, he's done it all before. Um, so hopefully uh, that'll be a good... Uh, yeah, we'll see the Dolphins really competing this year, which is, I think, what most people hope. Also, John, looking at the other end of the table... The Penrith Panthers coming into this season, defending champions, won the last two, going for their third uh, grand final win in a row, which we know is hasn't been done since the 80s and, and Parramatta. How hard do you think it's going to be for them to, to stay up again? We know they've made three grand finals in a row, have won two of them, lost one, but have lost Coruscant, who was such a key cog to them last year, uh, to the West Tigers. Kikau uh, went to the Canterbury Bulldogs. How difficult do you think with the it will be for the Panthers, and do you think they will come back to the pack a little this year in terms of, we saw last year, how they blew most teams away? Yeah, look, I mean, as you point out, they might have lost some weapons, but realistically, I don't think that their opening loss is too much to worry about if you are a Panthers fan. I think overall, look, there, there clearly was some gaps, but at the same time, I think the Brisbane Broncos just played exceptional for the most part of that game, defensively as well. They're able to really hold Penrith right there on the line as well for the most part of the game. I think no matter what, when you're trying to just assert yourself as the back-to-back-to-back-to-back champions, um, it just puts that much more of a target on your back as well. Every team wants to get out and beat you. Every team is always knowing that when they go into those games as well, they have to be on that much better form from the previous week as well, especially in an opening match too. You know, you, you play against a Broncos side who didn't necessarily perform that great last year that they wanted to prove to everybody that this year they want to be considered one of the better teams. Well, they were able to do that. Like I said, for the most part of the game, Brisbane were, were very, very dominant. It just took, in, you know, until the end, Penrith really came alive, maybe a bit too late as well, not converting when they really should have as well. Bit of luck as well on the side of Brisbane too. Um, but overall, I wouldn't worry too, too much if you're Penrith. As long as you don't get into a, a spiral where you're losing, where you're dropping two to three games in a row or anything, I think it's okay to lose a couple games throughout this season. That's perfectly fine. You're not always going to have that dominance where you're winning week in and week out regardless. That's perfectly fine. But if you start losing a couple on the trot, that's when we really need to be concerned. Because like I said, teams know when they, when they see you know, Penrith on the schedule that they're going to be stepping up for that. Um, but overall, look, they, they played all right to kind of start. It wasn't really the classic Penrith that we're used to. But then as the game went on, they started to get better and better. And that's where I saw that potential again for them to go to go again and win another championship. What I think was great was most of the games over the weekend were really hotly contested. There wasn't too much between teams. And obviously, we know some of the big boys 
they may be slow to start this season. A lot of uh, the main players, this was potentially their first game back. A lot of them didn't play in the trial games. You know, Tom Travojevic and Daly Cherevans for Manly, as an example, did not play any trial games. So some of those players, this was their first run out. So obviously we are going to expect a little bit of scratchiness around it. And as you said, we'll get a better idea of where teams are at over the next few weeks as they work their way into the season. Jono, though, another, uh, I guess, issue and headline that did come out over the weekend was the NRL's concussion rule. Mm. We know with a lot of these physical sports and and we've seen the NFL in America uh, having to implement some concussion protocols around uh, player welfare, but again, it's raised its head. Uh, So at the moment with the NRL, it states that if if a player is believed to be suffering from any effects from a head injury, they must leave the field for 10 minutes for an assessment by the club doctor in conjunction with an independent doctor using technology. Uh, so players over the weekend we saw were forced to leave at times crucial times in the game uh, for their team, including Newcastle Knights playmaker Caelan Ponga and Sebastian Chris for the Canberra Raiders. And we saw Canberra coach Ricky Stewart uh, question the system uh, which has been implemented by the NRL and why players need to leave the field if they did not believe they were suffering any head injuries. Now, Jono, looking at this rule that the NRL have, have implemented, do you think, firstly, it's the right thing the NRL have done in regards to taking that decision-making away from the players and the coaches and leaving it in the club doctors and the independent doctors' hands to make that decision? Yeah, look, I mean, I, as somebody who's played sports their whole life i mean you can you can just say that you tried to do everything that you can do to stay on that field and, and compete um, especially these athletes who are in a professional standard they are the highest competitors and they basically do anything to make sure that they win a game and compete at the highest level having said that when i say anything sometimes that is saying you're okay when you're not necessarily okay so in this instance, we're talking about some serious head injuries that potentially are happening. And, and look, for, for the short term, you might say, hey, I'm fine, I can bounce back, I can everything. But let's, let's look at what's been brought up in the last 10 or so years about the long-term effects of this and the constant nature of these contact sports as well. Let's think about not just about the here and now, but let's think about your, your lifelong future and everything. And I think that's what we need to start taking consideration more and more. And these rules are coming into play. And yes, maybe... You know, from a perspective of the game, it harms it harms the game a little bit. Some of these players are getting taken out when they don't need to. But realistically, what we're doing is maybe we're affecting the game a little bit, but we're also affecting positively that person's life that much more as well long term. Because there's definitely the data out. There's definitely ex-players who speak up about these issues as well, about the trauma they have, the, the tolls of their body, everything that goes on later in life that nobody thinks about. We have the opportunity to now think about this. Let's let's start really thinking correctly about how we should be handling these situations, regardless if it affects the game a little bit. Let's take the precautions in these situations, I feel like. I agree, John. I think it's obviously an issue which needs to be handled with care. And as you said, if the NRL aren't careful about it, they potentially are going to face a player coming and suing the NRL at some point later on down the track. Because obviously we know the the symptoms and, and the effects of concussion can be l- felt long after you finish playing. In terms of the independent doctor, at this stage they're not at the ground physically, so obviously they're they're communicating with the with the club doctor through technology and, and video as as we sort of stated. Do you believe the NRL should have an independent doctor at each of the grounds? Do you think that would make any difference having one actually physically 
on the field or at the field to make those calls and, and sort of see uh, the effects on players and whether or not they need to be taken off for an assessment? Yeah, look, I mean, I do think that there needs to be an independent opinion because, you know, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate in the terms of the world that we live in that sometimes people... Um, because you're a part of that organization, just look at the possibility of winning a game or winning a championship or anything like that, especially when there's some big stakes on the line. Um, you know, I even think about looking and, and switching sports to the NFL in, in America, which has a lot of concussion protocols and has a lot of issues. We even look at what recently happened with Tua, the quarterback from the Miami Dolphins, being let back onto the field, being let back playing the next week as well after suffering some serious concussions, which anybody with a blind eye could have looked at and seen that he was seriously concussed as well. Should not have been let back onto that field, but it was that staff that let him back in, This the internal staff. So having an independent affiliate be able to come in and properly assess someone who thinks about it from a medical standpoint, not from a playing standpoint, purely from a medical standpoint, I think is the right thing. And we need, again, to look at it from a medical condition standpoint, not from who's going to win or lose this game, but who's going to win or lose at life, essentially, at this point as well. That's what we need to start looking at. It's for the player's benefit, the person, not not necessarily them suiting up, but the person behind behind the jersey as well needs to be as a benefit from these situations. And I can understand Ricky Stewart's frustration as an example over the weekend. And as you said, players not wanting to come off because they just want to be out there and, and help their team to win. And obviously, if they're not there, then they feel like they're letting their teammates down. But as you said, I think this is this is a decision and this is a, a scenario which, which needs to be taken out of the players' hands and, and coaches' hands. And as I said, it should be handled by an independent doctor, an ind- a person who doesn't have any ties or connections to that club um, or that player. And as you said, just looks at it purely from the players' welfare um, because you said we do not want this to turn into an issue down the track where, where players are coming back and suing the NRL for, for lack of care so I think it's an issue that's going to keep rumbling along, uh, rumbling along. Um, we certainly won't obviously it won't be the last we hear of it this year but I think it's something that uh, the NRL needs to take very seriously um, and I think it, it does need to be taken seriously even if that is uh, to the detriment of a team at some point during the year and, and where players need to be taken from the ground. So, as I said, it's, it's a very serious issue and, and certainly something we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on during the season, uh, NRL 2023. Well, John, I think you've got five quick questions for me this week. Are you ready? Let's go, mate. All right, first one, close to home for you. As a Man United supporter, how disappointed should you be after a loss and should you be concerned for the rest of the season? Disappointed, obviously, to, to lose against Liverpool after we went into the game full of hope. And we actually played pretty decently, probably edged a little bit in that first half, even though we went 1-0 down uh, at before the half. I'm not going to be too concerned. I'm going to be very intrigued to see our reaction this week in the Europa League. That'll show a lot about this team um, and about Ten Hag's ability to turn turn it around because we have done so well. And to get us into a position where we are this year, I think he's... Has been a remarkable turnaround, but also shows. I think this game also highlighted the areas that we're not there yet, um, and there's still a long way for us to go before we are truly the Manchester United back of of the old Manchester United under Ferguson. Yeah, still uh, crazy results there. Switching over to Liverpool, let's think: who has a better chance, Liverpool or Tottenham, to secure that top four? I mean, it's hard to say this year because both teams have been so inconsistent. But at the moment, I have to say Liverpool. They're undefeated in six. 
unbelievable. Ever since they lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League, they haven't lost a game in the Premier League. Uh, they've kept some clean sheets all of a sudden, uh, so they seem to be tightening up a little bit at the back. So I'd say Liverpool, and they've got that game in hand over Tottenham. And with Tottenham, we just don't know which team comes out each week. So I guess if Liverpool can continue this run, I would back in Liverpool to, to get that top four. Yeah, they've made a bit of a, a race there for that last position. Even Newcastle as well, of course, are still in that race too. Switching over to basketball in the NBA, we have what seems to be a great rivalry now between the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, including Luka Doncic and Devin Booker, and now also added in KD and Kyrie Irving. Do you think that is the newest, best rivalry within the NBA? Yeah, potentially, as long as Kyrie Irving and KD stick around for a for more than a season or two. We know Devin Booker and, and Doncic are pretty uh, tied to those both those clubs, and, and those clubs have really built uh, their brand around those two. So I do think if, if Kyrie and KD do stick around, uh, potentially will be a, a great little uh, battle there in the West. Yeah, and I think both teams as well. It could definitely be some conference finals and everything like that. They stick around for the next couple of years as well. It would be fantastic to see. Um, in the UFC, as you pointed out, John Jones... Probably the greatest fighter of all time as of right now. Do you see anybody touching his record in terms of solidifying his name as the greatest of all time? Currently, it's it's hard to say. Obviously, Khabib, um, I think he was 13 wins with no defeats. I think John Jones is now sitting at 15 wins um, to be, I guess, the, the greatest of all time, uh, officially, I guess. At the moment, probably no one right now. It'd be, it'd be hard to sort of match that record. Obviously, we've still got Volkanovski, uh, who was around, who I think when he retires will go down as one of the great UFC fighters. But I guess you're always going to get those arguments for, for someone else. But but statistically-wise, John Jones does, uh, does sit at the top at the moment, and it will be hard to match that record. Yeah, always when you get a change of weight class and everything as well, it just makes that much more of a, an argument and lastly a little bit of a personal one there for you afl starting last year you traveled for the swans games trekking it around australia how many games are you going to be going to this year yeah i'll try to, i'll try to go to a few I'm, I'm lucky enough to only live down the road from the scg so hopefully i'll be able to get to a few there and, and hopefully maybe a couple in uh, in melbourne but uh yeah not this weekend in a fortnight's time the uh, afl kicks off which will be uh, very exciting as well and uh, give us a little bit more to talk about as always well that brings to the end another episode of behind the lights with me seb and me Jana. as always thank you for your support and good night